All right, welcome everyone. We're going to get started. Everybody have a mint, something to drink. You're comfortable. I'm going to remove mine. <laughs> Put it right there, okay? Um, I'm going to introduce our session. It is a healthy ministry family. And my name is Krista Lund. My husband and I pastor um, in the Cleveland area at Bethel Christian in Parma. We have four daughters. Yes, Christine is, well, she has, wears a lot of hats at the church, but she serves as the girls' ministry director. Um, and we have four girls. Um, they're, three of them are married, so I have three son-in-laws, six grandbabies, one more on the way, another boy. We seem to have girls, but now we're going to have two boys. And um, they're all in ministry. And so this is my youngest. And go ahead and introduce yourself. I am Marissa. And I love how they just lead by example um, with the mint. Um, but um, I am a kids pastor myself. I am in transition. And so God is leading me on to another church. But I am just excited for what he has in store. Um, and currently, I am an assistant kid rep um, for the Greater Columbus um, West area. And I am on the leadership development team for kids ministry as well. Amen. So we want to get right into it, and I'll tell you why, because we really want to have and make space for um, questions at the end, okay? Um, so as you all know, we are doing uh, today a healthy ministry family, and um, we all know that being in ministry, people watch our lives, right? And um, we always told our girls, we're going to be watched, so let's give them something good to watch. And the illustration of the fish bowl um, is what we used. A fish lives in a bowl, and people can watch them from all sides at all times. And um, we just figured that we were going to take that and turn it into something godly and good. And so, again, we just told them um, we're going to be watched. So let's give them something good to watch. Um, but I'd like to pray first, and let's just ask the Lord, you know, each and every one who I pray. Let's just ask him. I will be asking myself because I'm also a lifelong learner. And um, just what God has for us today out of our time together, okay? Jesus, thank you so much for this time together. I thank you for this beautiful family of God. I thank you for these ministry leaders, this team that we are able to be a part of, God the mutual love that we have for you, Jesus, and that's why we're here today. We want to um, have everything that you have for us. We want it in our lives. And so, God, today, as we dig into your word and we see what you have to say about family and what a Christian family looks like, I pray, God, that you would help us grow us, open our hearts and minds to what you have in your precious name. Amen. 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 So we talked about the family motto. Um, I truly believe that in our homes, it's healthy to have a motto or a mantra, whatever you want to call it, in a family verse. So my husband and I are high school sweethearts. We got married. Um, we were, though, older and mature. I was 19, he was 18. And I felt like we just knew everything there was to know about marriage and family, and that so is not true. So what we did is we just asked the Lord. And we just came together and we asked the Lord. And he's the one who has directed our crooked path straight. And so um, we came up with this idea of having a motto. 
and a verse. Our motto again is we're going to be watched, so let's give them something good to watch on your handout there. There's a space for you to um, think about that if you don't have one for your family and bring that home to your family or just some ideas or have a family meeting, you know, and say, hey, this is our dinner talk tonight and um, let's talk about our, our mantra, our motto for our homes. Um, I believe this statement is true, though, whether we are in ministry or not, because we are Christians. Mm -hmm. And so um, we should be watched. Mm -hmm. We should be comfortable with being watched. You see, I feel as Christians, the world should be able to watch our lives of righteousness, which is right living, so they can see who Jesus is in our lives. And then they can see their need for him in their lives as well. I feel like people should be able to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That doesn't mean we're looking at perfection here. Because I just serve the perfect one. And so, and, and we can explain those things when we are engaging in conversations. Because sometimes our life gets a little messy. Maybe sometimes our life gets hurtful or confusing. But let the world see Jesus through those times as well. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, being a ministry family, and how many in here are currently in ministry as far as your vocational? How many? Okay. And then the others here are in ministry serving at the church that God has placed you in. Awesome. Praise God. You are really our frontliners. I want you to know that. Mm -hmm. um, you're usually the people that um, others see first. So can I just tell you, first of all, thank you. Thank you, thank you. We could never do what we do if it wasn't for you, okay? Yeah. That, yeah. we can tweet that right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, amen. So um, I would say ministry homes or leadership homes like you guys are doing and Christian homes, let's just sum it up that way, yeah. um, have special dynamics. And when, before we got into ministry, we heard that other ministry families, that they felt like they were always being watched. Um, the pastor's kids would talk to us and share their strong dislike for this. <laughs> and a lot of times they buck up against that. Um, they thought that everybody knew the good, the bad, the ugly, and um, they didn't take kindly to that. Um, we heard that pastor's kids are the worst. I can't tell you how many times we heard that. And when God called us to ministry, I was like, oh, snap, we already have kids. What are we going to do? Because they're going to be the worst. And I didn't want them to be the worst. I mean, maybe we could hit it in the middle, but the worst, that's pretty defeating. And so I took this to the Lord, and I said, what is all this about? Like, that's the picture I got. Um, anybody else ever heard pastor kids are the worst? Yeah, it's, it's so sad. Um, and you know what? I remember this because it was so impactful. I remember God putting on my heart, people are going to watch your lives, and they should be able to whether you're in vocational ministry or not. And so give them something good to watch. That's where our motto came from. And then, as far as pastor's kids... Being the worst as your heavenly father, I only have the best plan for you. And I want you to walk in that. And so I didn't come at it with a defeated attitude. 
I came at it that my, I was a daughter of the, the Most High, the King of Kings. My husband was a son, and our children were going to, we were going to do everything we can to make sure that our home was a conducive place for them to receive Jesus as well and know the same thing about themselves. I believe that if we stay humble and hungry for Jesus and we make our homes the most conducive place for them to receive him, God will bless that. God will bless that. That's when I came to the realization that we really wouldn't and shouldn't do anything different than if Dan and I and our girls hadn't been called to ministry. And I did say Dan and I and our girls because as long as they were in our home and under our umbrella, um, and we'll talk about later when we go through the questions, uh, we involved our children, um, not at all thinking that that would be their livelihood. But as a family, um, God called us to be a family, so we were going to do ministry as a family, and we were going to impact other families. And so God helped us do that. But we wouldn't be doing anything different. We are Christians. We are Christians first. We would still go to church. We'd still serve in the church. We'd still give to the church. We would still share Jesus with others in and out of the church. So what this motto really meant to us was that we are all going to live lives of accountability, accountable to ourselves, accountable to our family, accountable to others around us, and most importantly, accountable to God. It meant all of us would take ownership of our own relationship with Jesus and be spiritually responsible to each other as a family. So now onto our family verse. Ours is Romans 16, 19. Marissa, would you please read that for us? It says, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. I still love that verse. This verse has always championed and challenged our home. It has always championed and challenged our family. This verse would remind us that our obedience is a blessing to God and that he rejoices over it. But it also reminds us the first example of sin in the Bible. Genesis 2.17, sweetheart. It says that God did not want them to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil or they would die. If they disobeyed, that would be sin and sin brings death. That's what God told them. If you disobey me, that's sin and sin brings death. They had one job, folks. (laughs) One job. And it was to not eat of that one tree. Like, we think of it now and think, wow, we have a lot of responsibility, you know. And they had one job to not eat of that tree. And then they got to do fun things like name the animals and stuff like that. I mean, that's not work, right? That's like, hey, have you thought of hippopotamus? I mean, that's so, I mean, that's cool, right? I mean, that's so fun. Um... You know, God never, never intended for any of us to know good or evil. In the beginning, in the garden, God's plan was always for us to only know complete perfection. That's what he had for us. Just like we're going to have again when we're in heaven. We're going to be completely restored. We're going to have new bodies. I put in my order. So can we do this this time around? And and we still get to eat like the marriage supper of the lamb? What? I mean, I really don't understand what's going to happen, but I just, it sounds supper. Yes. <laughs> right? 
The ultimate choice that Adam and Eve had was life, and they chose death. Choose life for your homes. Choose life for your homes. They chose spiritual death because they did not believe what God said. That's just the bottom line. They did not believe what God said was true. They did not believe, do not eat or you will die. They didn't believe it. We need to remember and teach our homes that our belief affects our behavior every time. If we believe this, that's not going to hurt me. It will affect what we do and affect our behavior. But if we believe God is who he says he is, and we believe that his word is true, and he always has best in store for us, then that'll affect our behavior as well. So ultimately, what we wanted our girls to know is that not only do we rejoice over their obedience, but most of all, God does. And that's who we're living for. It's not always, we didn't want our children to think their mom and dad was around every corner and all those kind of things. We wanted them to know that as a Christian, and at the earliest of age, some of them accepted the Lord at three. I think Kayla did. I think you were five. Somebody was four. Another's five. Um, And so at an early age, praise God, they chose Jesus, right? It reminds us we all still, though, live under that disobedient choice made by Adam and Eve, don't we? In our current uh, dispensation of time, that's where we're at right now. And it's because their eyes were open to good and evil instead of complete perfection like they could have kept it. You see, God um, is simply saying in this verse, I want you to know everything you can about good and goodness. Choose good because that's wise. But evil is ugly and unwise, and it will bring you death. I don't want you to be found guilty of evil, but instead I want you to be found innocent of it. Isn't that so good? Oh, God, so good. Again, this verse has served our family throughout the years, and it's been so foundational to our girls growing up. And I'm sure that they all have their own verses now. I, as I was preparing this, I'm like, I, I want to know what their verses are. But Marissa, would you share what yours is? Yeah, so um, as God has just been leading me, um, this verse is, is the verse that he laid on my heart whenever I first kind of stepped out of um, my home with my parents went to college, and, yeah. and went off into college. Um, and kind of I want to share along with this verse the, the prayer that he, he laid on my heart as well is um, whatever it takes, Lord, use me as your tool. Um, and so I think that that is so important that we're, we're taking down all, all the barriers, all, all of those things that can get in the way of us being just completely abandoned to him, um, that, that we're not allowing our control to get in the way of, of his complete plan and his control. Um, and so the scripture verse... And can I just have you speak up just yeah. a little bit, sweetie? So the scripture verse that we have... Um, well, that I have as, as my verse is, is in Matthew 6:27, and it says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And God has really just taken that and, and brought it to just kind of, I want to almost say like another level of saying, Who of you by worrying can make this situation any better? Who of you by worrying can, can accomplish the task that you're trying to? Who right. of you by worrying can, can parent better? Who of you by worrying can this or that or this or that? And, and what he's really saying is just, since when has, 
has your worry, has your fear been, been more valuable? How, since when have you put in more um, weight and, and more stock in your fear and your worry right. than and trust, in, God, yeah. than trust mm -hmm. in, in our all-powerful God Amen. who's in control of it all? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go into 10 things that I think really will be a blessing to your home. Um, these are, yes, there are things that, that we have done, but don't you um, hear that we're saying, yeah, you got to do these, take these and, and a springboard off of them, um, use them as suggestions, or find um, maybe God will show you other verses you can cling to and stuff as we go through this. But number one, always value relationship over issues in and out of the home. What do I mean by that? Things are going to happen. Yeah. Our spouses, as wonderful as they are, Come on. <laughs> things are going to happen. <laughs> and we have, we're different. I didn't know, did y'all know that men and women are clearly different? <laughs> and, but I need to value what we have over that issue that seems to try to get in the way. Sometimes that's really hard. But listen to what God's word says about it. Colossians 3, 13 through 14. Marissa, read that for us. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Amen. Make allowances for others' faults. Doesn't mean we sweep it under the rug. It doesn't mean that. It means we're going to deal with it the way God has us deal with it. And we're going to stay kind-hearted and level-headed. And we're going to work at it. And then we may have to keep working at it. And we may have to keep working at it. But let's remember to value relationships over issues. Number two, pray, read the Bible, and worship together in your homes. This repetitive training is so vital for our families. Marissa, read this verse. Um, it says in Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Amen. Now, we've read this over and over. Um, we need to remember that this is a probability, not a promise. It is a probability, not a promise. We have read that verse for years. And we have all put it in our craw. That's what they used to say growing up in Iowa. We have a craw. I don't even know where it's located. But we have one. And, and we have heard this. We under, need to understand it's a probability, not a promise. The scripture is reminding us that it will be more likely that our children will go the way that they were taught. Prayer, Bible reading, worship, serving the Lord. Opposed to not being taught those things. But we have to remember it goes both ways, right? If they're not taught these things, they are more likely to not do these things if they're not taught. And like we said earlier, making our homes the most conducive place for them to receive Jesus. As parents, we should strive 100% of the time Striving is the key word there because none of us hit anything 100%. Striving to give 100% and say yes to Jesus all the while you're praying that your children will do the same. When I say conducive home, what I mean is the atmosphere 
what the temperature's like. Everything that happens in that home is at a place where they see Jesus. Is it a place that they can feel comfortable expressing their needs, their concerns? Making our home a place where, where worship is not foreign, it's, it's a regular go-to. Um, where, where there's just those values, those good principles of God's word. Having time around your table. Are, we, we taught principles more than we did anything else because there's so many rules that we thought if we taught principles that they can take that principle with us, and, with them, and they can, from that, know what to do when circumstances come their way because we couldn't possibly prepare them for everything that would. And so when we make our homes a conducive place for our children to receive Jesus, this verse is simply saying that they are more likely to follow the way you have trained them. It is a better probability that they will. And when they go old, they won't depart from it. And so just understanding, he's not saying, I promise this will happen because we all have a choice, right? right. Yeah. Yes? What is it that you put in your crawl? That scripture <laughs> about... <laughs> if it's okay, can I add something? Sure. Do you know what a crawl is? I don't. Does anyone know what a crawl is? This is deep, okay? Oh. The crawl is an old southern country word for your belly, your gut, your stomach. Mm. And so it's like the nutrients, the the, mm. the food you put in you, the, the what you live off of. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, That's good. You got everybody who's preaching coming up. There we go. An illustration. Mm-hmm. Use the old ter- southern term "craw." Get it in your belly. Yeah, I'm from Texas. Okay. <laughs> Praise I God. Just, yes. Um, so even also about this scripture verse. Um, where, where it says they will not depart from it, that is a definitive statement. They will not depart from it. And so as so we were going over it, like, okay, yes, people who have grown up in, in the church and have heard about the scripture of, of God and, and know about salvation, you've seen people, the churchy term, they've fallen away from Christ. But what this scripture verse is also saying about they will not depart from it, is that whenever you hear about the truth and the power of God, our hearts were designed and created by God to, to be longing and, and to always have that almost magnetic connection to God. You know? And so whenever it says they will not depart from it, you, you can't just hear about God's word and then it just go void. <laughs> you can't just yeah. forget it. And come back around. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marissa. So, ultimately, we're going to live our life in front of our kids. So that would mean it would be a really good idea for your kids to hear you singing songs, reading scripture, taking that time out, having, you know, um, we would try to protect that time, and our girls would know that this is, you know, our time for that. Um, In your speech, how you love your spouse in front of your children is so, so important. They're watching, they're, they're constant sponges and learners, and they are watching our lives. So we're going to love Jesus and walk it out in front of our children, knowing that it can be better caught as it is also being taught, right? We want to do both. 
we need to remember that God gave us all a choice whether we will say yes to the following of Jesus or not. And that includes our, ch our children. So parents, I really want you to take the pressure off of yourself. Listen to the Lord. Stay close to him. Model Christ in your homes. And strive to always say yes to him and watch what he can do. Amen. I believe that with my whole heart. And God will do it. Through our times of prayer, reading, and worship as a family, we also learned it's really hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying for. <laughs> so when our kids would have little tiffs or whatever, um, there would be discipline. Discipline is necessary, um, and if that doesn't happen, it will usually frustrate others in the home that know it should happen. But after we would have our discussion time and, and come to the bottom of what they, we would have them pray for each other and give a hug. And um, I remember my oldest daughter, though, she could pray down heaven, but she goes, please don't make me hug Kayla. <laughs> She's like, I will pray for her all day long, but don't make me hug her. <laughs> I was like, oh, my word. So anyway, that's what we would say. We would tell them, you know, even if it's that pesky brother or sister or the parents that just don't understand and you're so mean, you know, I'd say you better pray. You better pray because I'm the parents God has put in your life. And um, the more you're thankful for what you got, the more blessed you're going to be. So you better pray, right? <laughs> you just better pray. Number three, love, honor, and value your family. It's okay to put family over ministry. There's a but coming, though. <laughs> Remember that Romans 12 tells us to honor others above ourselves. This helps everyone not to think of themselves higher than they ought. Mm -hmm. I remember when our girls were little and we would go to other people's homes, I would say, they're, we're their guest, so let them pick the toys they want to play with, let them pick where they want to sit, we're their guest. Then when, you, when we would have friends over to our house, I would say, girls, these are your guests. Let them pick the toys they want and sit where they want. Now I'm a grandma down, years down the road, and I, so with my grandchildren, I'm like, um, no, he had that first. And I would give it to my grandchild. And I thought to myself, when did my kids ever get to choose? They really didn't. And I felt horrible about it. I was like having this moment where I feel like I, I owe them something. I've, I've got to say something. So I called every one of my girls. They all said the same thing in different ways. Mom, we remember that, but that made us into who we are today. And very rarely do I think of myself above others. And it's how we're teaching our children as well. Listen, ministry is important. And there's times that my husband and I did not choose to put our family first. Only by the grace of God did he um, heal that. So I'm telling you that it's okay. And the smallest unit of the church is a family. And so your family is your first church. But if that's all we're doing and we are just, it's all about family, it's all about family and we're missing the bigger picture, 
that we are the family of God, that we are kings, sons, and daughters, and he has called us to a greater purpose than just our individual family, we're missing the greatness that God has for us. So we're going to talk about how we can fix that and what we're going to do. But please, Marissa, read this scripture, one of my favorites. Um, Romans 12.10, it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Amen. Number four, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you, and I'm sorry should be a regular part of your family's communication. Be the first to lead with this in all relationships. There's a little tip that I live by that God showed me. Somebody needs to lead in every situation. Why can't it be me? No matter how difficult the situation is, no matter how awkward, somebody has to lead. And why don't we step up to the plate? And we lead with grace and humility and compassion and empathy and lead well. Um, let's read this verse, honey. It says in Romans 14, 19, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Amen. Number five, teach your children to be relational and love others. Let your children be used in ministry with you, not just jobs. Go do this, set up the chairs, go get mommy this. Hey, um, can you run, you know, not just jobs. Let them use their giftings, their talents, and their skills to be a blessing to others. Um, read this verse, son. Um, it says in 1 Timothy 4.12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Yeah. Amen. Listen, there is no greater feeling than knowing someone was blessed by God through your life. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here today, right? right? Doesn't that feel great to know that someone was blessed by God through you saying yes? Amen. Encourage your children to find their own ministry calling. Not just to go in your footsteps, but in God's. So we have four girls, and yes, they're all in ministry, and praise God, right? I mean, you got to understand, they said yes to Jesus. We just tried to do our best and be half smart enough to listen to the Lord as we were raising our girls. And we were praying for a doctor and lawyer. And we were, yeah, we were praying <laughs> so they could help mom and dad retire. But they all chose ministry. Ultimately, God's the one who chose them for ministry. We know that. But, um, but anyway, um, we wanted to encourage them to find their own God-given identity. And remind them that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, as Psalms 139 tells us. Have fun in ministry. Yeah. I love people. And you want to know one of my favorite things about people? Just watch them. They're so fun. I find a lot of humor in people. I find, you know, I will watch people and I'll learn. I'm like, oh, that was so sweet. Look what they just did. Bless them, Lord. You know, I just love people. And we always had a lot of fun in our home. <clears throat> that was one of our, our top five things we like to do. But um, I remember us going to a lady in our church. Her name was Miss Ida. Sweet, sweet old lady, a retired teacher. Um, never had children. And she had a glass eye. And um, we were, she was in the nursing home, and we all went to pray for her. We were all around her bed. And we were praying. But you know how when you feel like, I know my, some of my kids' eyes aren't closed. You know, it's not a big deal, but for whatever reason, I'm like, you know. So I looked up, and there was two with their eyes open, and they're staring at Miss Ida. 
And I go, girls. <laughs> and they go. <laughs> I look over at Miss Ida, and one eye's closed, but one eye's open. <laughs> and she's looking at us, and it was the glass eye. The, the, her eyelid wouldn't close over it. And I, it was coming. I knew this belly laugh was coming. And I asked the Lord, please, please, if you could part the Red Sea, you could stop this from coming out. Because I just found that absolutely hysterical. And then they start, saw me start laughing. And they and I'm like... So then we leave and we're going down the hall of the, the nursing home and I'm like, oh my word, girls. And Kayla said, mom, her name's Miss Ida. Miss Ida. I'm like, got it. That was good. <laughs> right? Um, and then little Marissa here, we let her, you know, she has giftings and skills. And one of her ministries she wanted to do was um, she wanted a trash um, ministry. So she asked us to buy white trash bags, and we would, and she would write with a marker um, notes to our garbage men. So the, the first note was, trash is trashy, but you're not. So that was the first one. That was great effort. Good job. And then she would use scripture verses and so on and so forth. And I think the last one was 1 Corinthians 13, and she started out with big letters. And then by the time she got down to the end of the bag, it was real small. But um, And then you also, you had a Kleenex ministry when yeah. you were about... Tell the outcome of the yeah. garbage. Oh, the, yeah, the oh garbage. yeah, please, please. Yeah, so for that ministry, I think I was like around eight. Eight years old. Yep, seven or eight. Seven or eight. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just knew, okay, God wanted me to minister to the trash man. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> stink or not. Um, so, I, you know, I should have wrote on the trash bags before there was trash in them, but, you know. I mean, she always waited yet till after. I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's fine. So, um, anyways, kept on doing that, would put it out and everything. Well, lo and behold, there was a guy at our church, uh, Dave. Dave. Um, Dave DeBoer. Worked in the trash industry. Yeah, he, he worked in the trash industry and everything. And so I guess they would, they would get these trash bags and they, they would read them to everyone there at the place. And they kept on reading them and everybody was just reading them all together. And so then this guy was asking Dave, he's like, hey, hey, what is this? Like all this. And, and so the guy from our church got to explain it because of the trash bags. And then he wound up coming to the church. Mm -hmm. And, and accepting Christ, all, all because of that. I'm like, wow, like God can use trash, all right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, yeah. So um, number six, weekly prayer directives and scripture memorization. And so here's what I have for you today. Every family can take one of these. Um, we put these books together, and um, it says, My Missions in God Time Book, okay? So what it has... So I don't know any of you who still have littles, and if not, take one and, and give it to somebody. So it has color pages of Bible stories, and um, it has the scripture reference. I suggest that you read it and memorize it so you can be animated in your and um, how you present the story. Also, I also suggest you tell the whole story. Um, so if we're talking about David, and how wonderful David was. Um, it's always a good idea to make sure that our kids understand that David wasn't perfect. And so however the Lord directs you in that way, make sure we're always telling the whole story. 
So then when they get older, they're not like in youth being like, I never know he was an adulterer and a murderer, you know. Um, and let's not spring that on them early. Let's try to, to do that. Um, so then there's also, if you see in the middle, there's all kinds of memorization um, pages here that you can, there's four or five there. Then lastly is they can color this and you can pray for missionaries. So do a little homework, see who the missionary we have there for the Assemblies of God, Get familiarize them with names, and, um, and talk about this. Um, I always like to have a lot of fun with it, so even the story of, say, um, Pharaoh, you know, remember that song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh? Oh, oh, okay, so that dated me right there. And, but they oh, yeah. still love it. They still love it. So be creative. Help them to remember the stories you're telling them. Pray for our missionaries. Help them to memorize. And maybe it's going to be just one verse a month. That's okay. But um, get the word into your children. All right, number seven. And we're going to move really quick because we want to have question time. Um, teach spiritual seed planting, sharing Jesus with others. Teach them how to share their story. Um, so being a witness becomes a natural part of their lives. Um, we know that the Lord will send his reviving rain to grow, produce, and bless seed that has been planted. Right. It won't grow if it hasn't been planted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we need to help our children do that. Marissa, read that verse. Um, in 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Amen. Number eight, be intentional about catching your children doing something right instead of always catching them doing something wrong. Look for them doing right things. I just saw how you treated your sister. That there is going to be rewarded. God right now, he is just up there and he is literally writing that down. And because my girls, I, I didn't want them to think I was always going to give them a reward because I wasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we let them know their treasures are stored up in heaven. But anyway, catching them, doing that, encouraging them. Listen, encourage, affirm, encourage, affirm, encourage, affirm your children over and over again. This will motivate, inspire them more than you know. Again, we understand discipline is necessary. It is a part of life, and God disciplines us, so we cannot ignore that. But let's encourage our children, affirm them. Just giving facts about situations is not very motivational, is it? It's not very inspiring, but genuine emotional appeal to our children, our homes, our spouses will. We talked about discipline. When you encourage with clear direction, it's inspiring to everyone. You can get much further and more productivity out of your home when we encourage well. Speak blessing over your children. Speak blessing over your children. Talk to your children about their identity. Let them know they are a Christian first before their gender, their status, their age, their color, or their country. We need to understand that if we elevate any other category in our life, that's what people will see. They need to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. Don't let others rename you or your children. There are a lot of hurtful and derogatory names out there for all 
ethnicities, hurtful names or terms for Asians, African Americans, American Indians, Pacific Islanders, Hispanics, and even Caucasians. Again, don't let anyone rename who God has called you to be, which is Christian first. I solely, wholeheartedly believe that if that's what we promote, there is nothing we can't work through. Mm -hmm. Nothing we cannot work through. Teach your families that we are not all uniform, but in Christ, we all should be in unity. We are not all uniform, but we should all be in unity. Unity is compassion, not accusation. Unity is empathy, not apathy. Peace, not division. Harmony, not hostility. Patience, and not impatience. Help your homes to navigate any teaching they may receive elsewhere. For example, teaching on ethics. We need to understand ethics is moral principles that guide our life. But as Christians, we know there is no ethics outside of Jesus. He is our moral compass Mm -hmm. and the only one that should be guiding our life. Marissa, would you read those scriptures? It says in 3 John, verse 1, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. In Romans 15, 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had in Hebrews 12:11 for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it amen amen, amen. Yeah. Marissa would you like to please share with us 9 and 10 yeah so for 9 it is um, talking about how we as as leaders and and, and just um, those godly examples within the homes and, and really all around as godly examples of, of Christ need to be demonstrating how grateful, appreciative, and thankful we are for Christ. And that needs to be in every single part of our life. Um, something that is, is probably not going to be new to you guys is that we don't have to go looking for the bad things that are happening in our life. It's, it's not hard for us to remember those things, but we do have to be intentional about remembering the good things that have happened. Yeah. And so that can be as easy as helping your children to see, even in nature, all the wonderful things that God has created. Being like, Amen. look, God created those trees. Look, God created the grass and the water and just bringing it back, bringing everything back to Scripture. And that's something that I, I value growing up is it wasn't just, okay, this is how it is because that's how it is, or, or this is because I said so, or um, whatever it is. Everything being brought back to Scripture, everything being brought back to God's truth. And then that way their foundation isn't in, in you guys. It's not, it's not in the parent. It's, it's not in, in their own strength or our own might um, because we're all imperfect. So that's, right. that's going to be an imperfect right. foundation, right? It just makes sense. So whenever we're bringing it back constantly to God's Word, that's where it's going to be strong. That's where it's going to yeah. hold strong. Um, and that verse is so beautiful. In yeah, there, um, yeah. Number nine. Read so, that. So it says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks whatever happens. That is what God wants for you in Christ Jesus. And side note, we found this in the International Children's Bible. So the ICB, I didn't know there was one out there. So that verse, it comes from that version, um, understanding that all of our, our Bibles are our versions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So God knows exactly the intent, and we know it's inspired word of God. But, um, but I just thought this was a neat way to say that. Yeah. All right. So number nine is grateful, appreciative, and thankful. Let's teach our children to be that way. Number 10. Um, and just one more thing on number nine. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So on that scripture verse, it says um, that whatever happens, and I feel like that is the clause that can get in the way of being grateful, appreciative, That's and thankful. That's so true. That's good. And so as being those leaders in the home, being those leaders in the forefront, just as being Christ followers, t- taking away the word Christian because people can have whatever view they want, but being Christ followers. Amen. Yep. We need to take away anything that can get in the way of being grateful, appreciative, and thankful. Amen. And that means circumstances. That's right. Yeah. So That's right. being constantly in that attitude of whatever it takes whatever circumstance, no matter what is going on. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have we had, the, had even the mental self-conversation or, or the outward conversation of, you know, um, I, I would have I been, you know, happy about that, but this, or um, I, I was having a great day, but then this, or, right. you know, it's like every single, I'm not gonna say every single, but so many, Great things always have this negative clause of, okay, it was so great, but then this. Right. Can we just stick with the great? <laughs> Can we just stick with that and, and put a period on it? Like, even if the only great thing is that we're alive and that God is on the throne, that's enough. Amen. <laughs> you know? What he's done for us. Amen. Yeah. Um, Amen. And so good. Number yeah. 10. And just one, one more thing on that. Oh! <laughs> one more thing! Um, so, the <laughs> pressure yeah, mother. What? <laughs> um, I'm so grateful so, for her. So we hear a lot. <laughs> I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> and appreciative and grateful. <laughs> but we hear a lot um, that even if God didn't do another thing in our life, that, that we would still love him. And so I just Amen. wanted to leave you guys Amen. with that one thing. That's like, right. Just to ask yourselves, even if God didn't do another thing, would we still want to serve him, would we still be grateful, yeah. thankful, and appreciative? Yeah. And then putting that also for your kids, even if they did nothing for you, even if they didn't thank you, even if um, all that they did were things that maybe would be disappointing or whatever that is, would you still be grateful, appreciative, and thankful that God has blessed you with those children? Amen. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. So then let's go on to number 10. Um, it's making room and giving space for your children to talk to you. Don't just offer to be there, but create opportunities and bring them in. Start transparent discussions with them as you see appropriate to get the ball rolling. So um, it's, it's great. I hear a lot of um, how parents are so willing to just be there. And, and my parents, like, being there, just being like, hey, we are here for you. Um, whatever problems are going on, like, have you guys ever said that for your kids or, or you guys have heard that? That is so important. Um, there's also the other side, though, on, on the child side of hearing that and hearing that and hearing that. But then how, how do they step out to actually come up and, and address you with those problems? So, so it's that twofold of, hey, I am going to be here and I'm available. I'm not going to judge you about this. We're going to walk through this and we're going to pray together. But then also creating the space of, hey, 
let, let's talk through things. I don't know what's been going on, but I'm here, and we're going to pray together because we know that God knows. Um, so creating that space and, and being intentional and reminding because um, because how, how do we remember? By repetition, 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 right? right. Um, right. So uh, I have a couple scripture verses here that... They're so good, everybody. I mean, I think they'll just preach itself, and then right. that's that. So um, Proverbs seventeen twenty seven: A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. So coming in there... Not with any presuppositions, not with any judgments or anything, but just coming in there and seeing, wow, this is a child of God. You know, um, Ephesians 4, 2 through 3, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Amen. Binding yourselves together with peace yeah. and being united in his love. I mean, come on. That's God's word. So Proverbs 18.13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Anybody that, like, that can get to us, right? Like, we need to make sure, again, those presuppositions, those just get in the way, don't they? Um, Proverbs 12.18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Amen. Amen. All right. At the bottom of your page, you will see some pitfalls to, to avoid. Pitfalls to avoid. You can read those on your own. And we're going to open this up for questions. We have about 12, 13 minutes. So anybody have questions about anything we covered? Um, I wish we had time to have shared experiences. Maybe we can get each other's numbers <laughs> and do that, you know, off campus. But questions that you would have um, involving what we talked about today. I thought this was going to be a little bit different. Okay. I guess, uh, but um, maybe you guys can offer some advice since you are a family in ministry. And sure. You guys are so involved with ministry, but uh, I'm on my second position of full-time ministry, and mm -hmm. it is increasingly difficult to um, set up boundaries, I guess. Um, you know, it's not like a nine-to-five job. You know, people call, they need help, something's happened. Um, someone tells them that I know how to work on something, and all of a sudden this woman calls me at four in the morning, and my water heater's, you know, leaking, and I'm like, oh, great. Um, but it's like... I don't know, could you offer any advice, like, how can I, this sounds stupid saying it out loud, but how can I, like, prioritize and say no? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How can I yeah. feel out, I mean, I, I pray about it, and right. I try and right. make things, make boundaries, but then, mm -hmm. even on my day off, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll meet you at the church. Right, right. And, right. but it's... Well, and before we get started, I have to repeat the question into the microphone. So the question was, how can we set boundaries um, in our ministry lives um, when there is so many needs that people have? That's a way better way of what I said. <laughs> For me personally, I, I think part of it was uh, getting rid of some of the guilt. Like I, I always carry guilt. If I tell somebody, no, well, I'm the pastor, I'm their whatever, so I should just be like... You know, but there's also a sense of enablement in that mm -hmm. because I'm not the Holy Spirit right. and I can't be everything to them. And so, you know, I think there's when when 
you know, in the fact that I was carrying so much guilt to ever say no, it's almost like I realized, well, that's kind of prideful on my part in a way, because I'm letting them almost think that I can be everything to them, you know? And then, and then it feels almost sometimes flattering, well, I'm needed, you know? Well, yeah, I'm not the only one that should be needed, you know? So, so I, I had to get to a place, and it, I, don't, I don't know if you ever fully over, you know, come it because it's that shepherd's heart. You want to be there for people genuinely. Mm-hmm. But I did have to learn, you know, the power of the word no and then not feel guilty about it or say, you know what, um, we will see if we can help you with that. And also setting some boundaries with ministries. Like one thing that we've had to do even this year. Here we're, you know, married 35 years, 30 years in ministry. Mm-hmm. And even just this year we've had to establish um, because we get all these texts and I'm getting calls at home all the time about things and, and we've just kind of made a policy, sorry that needs to go through the office. Mm-hmm. Sorry that needs to go through the office. Mm-hmm. Sorry that needs to go through the office. Yeah, you I, know? that's one of the things I was really glad for with being with Pastor Josh. He made up a, it's through the app and so there's office hours of when they can contact us mm-hmm. through our cell phones. It's a, I don't know what it's called, but basically you know, we don't have like an office phone, it's all through the app yeah. or cell phones, but he has office hours for us to where we don't, even, we don't even know until the next day we'll get all the voicemails and everything that pop in. Sure. So, and emergencies I, are emergencies. Yeah. But just yeah. because they see it as an emergency doesn't make it an emergency. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But that's one of the know, things honey. I do like. Awesome. Good. Good question. Yeah. Anybody else? And um, just something also on that, something that God has shown me is that Every no that you give, you're saying yes to like a thousand other things. Oh, yeah. And so thinking of your no as an opportunity to say yes to all the things that you need to say yes to, and then vice versa, whenever you're saying yes, what are all the things that you're shutting mm-hmm. off? Mm-hmm, that's good. You know, so if you're saying yes to that, then you're saying no to all those other things that are could be so much more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even though you can do that, maybe even there's someone else that you can equip to do for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Very and good. I just had wow. to learn um, a lot. <laughs> I mean, I've been learning a lot <laughs> all the time, <laughs> but I've had to learn like having other people help us out and, and equipping them to do certain things. Like it might feel like, oh, this is such a laborsome thing for me. And this is so hard. And it might feel like you're giving them the, the dirty jobs or like the you know, the grunt work. And for them, it can be so empowering because right. that's their gift. They feel blessed to do it. So mm-hmm. I think like the two part of like realizing, okay, is this no, meaning like a ton of other yeses, and is this yes, like meaning oh, I'm shutting off all these other things, and then how can I empower other people to take off these things that I've been just carrying because I don't want to burden anybody else, but it's actually not a burden for them. <laughs> so good. You know? Very good. Yep. Anybody else? Don't be shy. How do you protect PK kids from that image? <laughs> the image of being the worst? Mm-hmm. Okay, the question... Because I grew up as a PK kid, mm-hmm. and that's the image I got given. Try not to pass it on to my kids. Amen. How do you protect them from it? So the question is, how do you protect your children who are PKs from the image of them hearing they're the worst? Yeah. And <clears throat> um, in the paper, the handout that we did, um, go over those scriptures again. That will be helpful. But we always tried to make sure they knew who they were. Mm-hmm. 
in Jesus, in Christ. Okay, that sounds so churchy and so everything, but can I just help remind us, let's not ignore those, quote, churchy things. Let's just implement them in a more palatable way, you know, Um, because that's not churchy. That's who we are. So encouraging them, affirming them, talking about it, including them, not pushing them or pulling them, bringing them with you. Mm -hmm. I need you as my ministry partner. I would always take my girls with me Mm -hmm. with things. My husband would take them. We developed their, like if we saw them, say they, um, like really all of you girls can sing. There's some of them that like my daughter Kayla, I think her voice is like amazing. I mean, and we would all say that. Mm -hmm. It's just, she's very gifted. So we would encourage that. So anything that you find in them, that you see that God can use anything, right? So it can be anything. Cultivate that, encourage that, create opportunities for that. Mm -hmm. Let, you know, let them know who they really are. Mm -hmm. They're not, that's a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. And I determined, be determined. I determined that is not a lie that will be believed in our home. Not at all. And I was very intentional, and Dan was too. Together, we were very intentional about building them up and using them, teaching those principles. Our supper time was the time that we would talk not only about their day, and if they didn't want to share there, they would share with us privately, but we would then teach a principle. I'll give you an example. In the old, We would always say, we're going higher. We're going higher. We always went higher in our home. So the Old Testament, hate... I mean, Old Testament murder was wrong. New Testament, hate is the same as murder. See, we went higher. So now it's not the physical act of killing somebody. If you hate them, here's the principle, ladies. Here's the principle. If you hate them, that's the same as murder because New Testament holds us to a higher standard. We didn't abolish the law. We fulfilled it, and then we went higher. And so just always teaching those things, like gaining their confidence in the word, I can just tell you it works. And I don't, I, I, I can't take credit for that. That's God's plan, you know. And so um, I will pray for you because you're going to do it. And your home is going to give, you know, God all the glory he deserves because this is how he designed us. We just have to step into it and be intentional about it. Is that good? Yeah. I think, too, we also didn't try to overprotect them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good. As Christians, we have to have thick skin and a soft heart. Yeah. And so, you know, helping them realize that, listen, whether you like it or not, people, you know, whether you're a PK or whatever, you know, certain people are going to just think what they want to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to know what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may never change somebody else's perspective, but you can know who you are. You know, and be, and be, be firm in that. Because life can be hurtful, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Life can be really hurtful. People can be hurtful. Situations are hurtful. Yeah. But if I believe who God says he is, mm-hmm. either I do or I don't. And so I always wanted to make sure that even though they went through some pretty tough times, I could tell you story after story after story, um, being you know, Christians, preachers' kids, you know, public school. They didn't go to private school. You know, um, it was some pretty hurtful. But I'm telling you back, I, what we would do is we'd always say, girls, let's take it back. Let's take it back. We're not going to let this affect who God has called us to be and how he wants to use you. And then before you know it, 
and not only does he bless it, but then now they're really being used because now I was the youth pastor and we lived in a really small community and we had over 100 kids just because of how they lived their life and was confident in who they were in Christ and it started rubbing off. You know, so God can do it. God can do it. Great question. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Well, you already have your books, right? And if you don't, like I said, you don't have littles, um, give it to someone who does or, or whatever you want to do with it. But I just thought that would be kind of a fun um, to do that. So um, I would love, Pastor Jim, could you come up here and please end us in prayer? In sure. the, I think there was a the, Oh, sorry. Was there a question? No question? Okay. All right. Yeah, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for the Lund family. God, thank you for uh, just giving this opportunity to glean from their wisdom uh, and just the example they have set uh, for their family, for their church, for their community, but also for us. And so we just ask that you would uh, just bless them as they have so blessed us in these last uh, several uh, minutes and and really just help us to digest and process, Lord God, all the things that we've heard. There's so much information, but help us help it not to be overwhelming, but help us as we as we go home, as we uh, start to understand, uh, Lord God, uh, what it is that you want us to do in our family. Even if it's just one thing that we yes. can take away, Lord, Amen. that you would use that Amen. to be a catalyst of, of growth in our families. And so we just thank you so much. Thank you for blessing us with children. Thank you with thank you, blessing us with a, a family, whether we're married or not. Uh, the, the, the ministry that you have called us to, to be in, right. uh, Lord God, is, is a blessing. And so we choose to be grateful. We choose, Lord God, to say, continue to say yes. Uh, and we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for blessing us with this family and all the things that they have taught us today. And so uh, we ask that you, as we leave today, uh, Lord God, that we would just be reminded of your goodness. We be reminded of your faithfulness and your provision in our lives. And so we look forward. We look forward to to going back home to our families, Lord God, and being blessed and allowing your Holy Spirit to do what only it can do. We ask all these things in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And that was Pastor Jim from C3 Church. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you. I put.